Hi, my name is Mark Williman, the host of Supervisory Basics, a 12-episode podcast series that examines how individual contributors can transition to effective leaders. This podcast series is based on the popular Supervisory Basics training program from Impact Achievement Group, a training and performance management consulting company. The Supervisory Basics training program consists of 12 individual yet linked two-hour training modules delivered in leader-led or e-learning formats. For more information, go to impactachievement.com where you can also download lots of great articles on all topics we discuss in this podcast series. This is episode nine and the topic is supervising difficult direct reports. To discuss today's topic, it is my pleasure to welcome back Rick Tate, Senior Managing Partner at Impact Achievement Group and an internationally recognized expert on management, leadership development, and customer loyalty. Welcome back, Rick. Thanks, Mark. Good to be back. Rick, what constitutes a difficult employee, and what do you recommend as an effective strategy for dealing with troublemaker employees? Well, Mark, from our point of view, difficult employees can fall into a variety of categories. Uh, when we say difficult, we kind of mean those that make it difficult for the supervisor to actually manage them effectively and get good results. Those employees, for instance, those employees who push the absentee or work time requirements routinely, those that constantly have grievances of some sort, never satisfied, those that fail to adhere to compliance regulations, those that have personal problems outside the work that affects their job performance, uh, all those type of things create difficulties uh, for supervisors and managers. And when it comes to troublemaker employees, and we kind of scale down the category a little bit, we consider those those are the individuals who actually try to show up their manager or supervisor or actually consciously go out of their way to undermine the work or the supervisor's authority uh, in, in different situations. Usually the motive of those people um, is to try to get under the supervisor or manager's skin, usurp the manager or supervisor's authority, or just simply make it difficult for the manager to exercise their responsibilities. Uh, the one thing you should not do in cases like that, is, is to try to get into an argument or react emotionally with, the, uh, with this type of employee. You have to remember that uh, it, it's a game that they're playing, and you know, you know, the way they win the game is if the manager plays. So there, there, there's no end to the arguments. There's no end to the game. Uh, you just have to, you have to stay in your, uh, in your professional role in that context. Then there are some tips that will help in these situations. We find... Uh, uh, four of them uh, work really well, and that is if this happens, uh, it's important to confront the issue immediately with a firm tone, not an angry or emotional tone, but a firm tone. Uh, and then the second one, which is uh, an extension of that, is don't lose your cool. Avoid getting angry. Uh, that's when they win. Uh, that's what they're trying to do in the first place. And three, allow no arguments. They're, they're, I mean, they're there is no argument to somebody trying to undermine what you're trying to do. Simply articulate your expectations for appropriate behavior, and then four, clearly state the consequences uh, for that individual for any further instances of that type. That that would be our approach to it. Okay, and 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 what is standard procedure for handling grievances? Well, grievances uh, fall into a different category. I mean, employees uh, are entitled to. Uh, uh, you know, articulate or state grievances when they believe uh, the work conditions or the work environment or things are unfair 
uh, violate law, uh, procedures, uh, regulations, etc. Um, and usually what we find, there is a standard procedure for handling formal grievances uh, in, in most companies, laid out by HR uh, most often. Um, and all supervisors and managers should become knowledgeable about the specifics of those procedures. I don't think any new supervisor or manager wants to be caught off guard or looking you know, or having lack of confidence, let's say, uh, when grievances are put forth. That said, there are some ways of responding to grievances that will make any grievance process more effective. Now, for the first step, I think, is always to acknowledge the grievance to the person making it and make sure you're clear about the specifics. So staying away from generalities is, is important. And then the second thing, let the employee know that you've actually heard them and, and that you will look into the matter in a timely way. We also advise don't responding offhand uh, immediately until checking with HR about the process and doing your homework to the validity and back of the grievance. And then last, always keep your boss informed when a grievance is made. No boss wants to be surprised that there are grievances in, uh, in, in the work environment. Regarding tardiness and absenteeism, could you explain why requiring employees to speak directly to a manager if they're going to be late or absent is better than just accepting messages? Sure. Mark, this is an age-old problem. Uh, often we get into real difficulties with employees routinely abusing absenteeism or tardiness requirements of the organization. When, I, when I'm an employee and, I, and I'm under a requirement that I have to talk to my boss when I'm going to be absent or tardy and I have to let them know beforehand that yes, I either won't be there or I'm going to be late, then we're, we're in a proactive stance. We're dealing with the situation before it's happened getting the reasons, and, and, and the manager or supervisor is in a certain decision-making authority then. When we can skip that process and either email or talk to another f- coworker and say, tell the boss, the boss is always in a reactive stance. The issue of absenteeism or tardiness that results in lack of coverage or lack of things getting done has already happened. Uh, we can't do anything to prevent it. We can't do anything to negate it. And it, it allows the employee to avoid having that tough discussion up front. It's an after-the-fact discussion, which we find uh, very rarely uh, uh, works. We do find also when requiring employees to deal directly with their boss ahead of time on these issues and not coming in the back door, that will over time decrease the amount of absentee and tardiness in the work environment because employees must account for their actions before that action is taken and not after the event. Could you describe what a hostile work environment is and what a manager should do if he or she learns of offending behaviors at the workplace? Yeah. You know, the specifics of a hostile work environment are laid out clearly under labor law and by most organizations in every state. That said, a a general uh, view of a hostile work environment is considered to be any unwelcome behavior often of a sexual or gender biased nature, that is deemed offensive and or threatening to an employee. The key here is the word unwelcomed. An employee has the right to bring to to management's attention any perception of behavior the employee determines to be unwelcome uh, or offensive. Managers then must act quickly in such a, in, in, when such a complaint is heard, either directly from the employee or even when that complaint is heard through the rumor mill. Uh, this is a 
hostile work environment is a violation of law. So whether, again, I hear it directly or through the rumor mill, I need to look into it. That's a management responsibility. If an investigation of the matter determines that there is a violation of law under the hostile work environment definition for that state, then immediate action must be taken to stop behavior. This is really a zero-tolerance issue in, in, in almost every state that I can think of right now. And for a manager to uh, not address it, not pay attention to it, slough it off, whatever, uh, that manager or supervisor can find themselves in, in, in a lot of difficulty. Okay. Now, what about employees whose work is suffering because of problems they are having outside of the work environment? What should a new manager do? Well, this is another trap that, and especially new supervisors and managers uh, uh, can get into, and then it's exacerbated if that new manager or supervisor, you know, has has worked alongside these people prior to their promotion. Um, you know, things like alcohol problems, family problems, drugs, finances, divorce. Uh, you name it, are all problems that happen outside the work environment to people that can affect their work. And and the real key here, the bottom line, is the manager or supervisor can't become a therapist or a counselor and offer advice of how to solve those issues and hoping the performance will turn around. That that always, for a lot of reasons, makes the uh, makes the issue much worse and makes the manager or supervisor often part of the problem. Uh, the focus for any manager or supervisor is the person's performance. Uh, getting involved in any way is not an effective approach. You know, they're not trained as a counselor. Uh, they have no way of proving anything of validity in that person's outside problem. The only proof they have is that there's a problem, is a performance problem. And, and then again, the outside problem is not the manager or supervisors uh, to determine, uh, and again, not within your responsibility or competence to assist. Our advice is always this, and I think it's supported by most HR people, and that is encourage if, if it surfaces. For instance, if the employee says, look, it's just personal, I'm having problems at home, whatever they happen to say, encourage the employee to seek assistance if their problem persists in affecting the quality of their work. Most organizations have access to EAP, that is Employee Assistance Program Services of some kind, to help employees resolve those issues. Um, Key, you know, trying to behave in ways to make sure the ma- that employee doesn't have two problems, and it is their personal problem and then maybe a job loss problem, is, is very important. And we have found that by holding people accountable, encouraging them to seek the assistance they might need to uh, affect solving the problem, and then taking the advice of an assistance program or HR to accommodate in the short term, uh, is always the best bet. For the ma- but for the manager to try to deal with the personal problem alone is, is not advisable. Okay, uh, thanks. That's good advice, Rick. And one more question for you today uh, related. Are all rush requests and crises created equally? And if not, how should a new manager go about telling the difference between a legitimate request and a self-serving request? Mark, most work groups are going to get, you know, bombarded on a constant basis. In other words, if I'm running a group of people, I'm going to be asked by my boss, by other departments, by other people to do things that are always going to compete for time and effort uh, with the normal routine uh, requirements of getting the work done. Um, Supervisors and managers should have a clear and thorough understanding of the priorities of their group's workload and the required deadlines that pertain. 
They should also know how the work of their department contributes to the business results of the organization and the implication or consequences to the business or to customers when things don't get done. Therefore, they can prioritize uh, when things do come in that are not the normal uh, issues or, in terms, create a crisis or a rush request. When those requests or emergencies appear that do compete with the normal routine work requirements, either from other departments or even from my boss, uh, those requests can be judged then by the impact on achieving the results and the impact to the organization in, in, in the large picture and therefore prioritize in that manner. Uh, that to me seems to legitimize and, uh, and prioritize those type of requests that will compete for the time of my people. Rick, thanks for sharing your insights today. Always fun being here, Mark. For more information on this topic, Impact Achievement Group, or the Supervisory Basics Series, please visit impactachievement.com. And remember, all of our podcast episodes are available for download on iTunes. Just go to the iTunes store and search for Supervisory Basics Podcast and subscribe to the free series. Join us next time for episode number 10, where we'll discuss a new manager's guide to understanding influence and power.